Welcome to the Expat Cast. I'm your host, Nicole Palazzo, and today I sit down with Alex Green Torado. Alex comes to us from the lovely state of Utah, and he shares some fun facts about Utah later on in the episode. Uh, now he's living in Germany, which is his fifth country of residence so far. So he's lived in the United States, the Canary Islands, Jamaica, the Philippines, and now Germany, and country number six is on its way in just another couple of months. Somewhere in the midst of all of this, he managed to fall in love and marry the love of his life, Danielle, or Danny, who you'll hear about later in the episode. There's a saying in German that goes, uh, verliebt, verlobt, verheiratet, and that just means you fall in love, you get engaged, you get married. So not really all that exciting of a phrase in English, but in German, it's very snazzy, very perfectly captures up. Alex and Danielle's romance. So they actually got married just months before moving to Germany together. They didn't speak German, either one of them. Uh, they didn't have jobs lined up, and they were just getting used to newlywed, you know, married life. So there was a lot going on for them. What I think is really cool about this episode, I, I know I've been hitting you guys with a lot of resources the past few episodes of, you know, how to move here, how to get a visa. This one's really just about the life choice that went into moving abroad and, you know, what brings one to do that? How does one manage to have a career? How does one manage to live a fulfilling life? And what makes that life more or less fulfilling as opposed to, you know, a, a life that doesn't involve moving to a new country every year or two? It's a really fun conversation. I'm excited to share it with you guys. And I think it'll be really cool to get, you know, the flip side of the story. Uh, so Danielle is going to come on the show next week and give us her side of things. But one thing I wanted to mention, actually, about all three of us, Danielle, Alex, and I all moved to Germany, uh, I think, within the same week. And so we are all celebrating what I have come to call our Gedeutstag. So in German, Geburtstag is birthday. And I just took out the Boot and put in a Deutsch and made it Gedeutstag. So it's grammatically awful if you speak German and you're cringing, like, I know, I get it, but also I think it's really funny and I'm like just just pushing it. I'm just making it happen the way that Gretchen tried to make Fetch happen in Mean Girls. Anyway, in honor of all three of our Gedeutschtags, here is the interview with Alex. So my name is Alex Torado. Uh, I'm originally from the Sacramento area of California, but I grew up in Salt Lake City, Utah. But kind of have bounced around. I've lived outside of the country multiple times and in a couple of other places in the U.S. And uh, yeah, now I'm here in Freiburg. Nice. So you have already admitted to living outside the U.S. multiple times. I want to mm -hmm. start there. So what was sure. your first move abroad? Uh, my first move abroad was to Jamaica. What were you doing there? Uh, I was a Mormon missionary. Cool. Mm -hmm. uh, in Jamaica, in the Cayman Islands as well. So I was down there for about two years. Wow. Mm -hmm. And what do you do? Like, what is a daily life like as a missionary? You, you go out and you talk to people in town. You go to people's homes. You might be doing different kinds of things. I mean, a lot of it is teaching them about religion. You're teaching them about, uh, I mean, Christianity specifically, of course. But then beyond that, you might be doing service projects in the town. You might be doing some administrative work uh, at the church building. It depends on the day. Neat. And were they were they receptive to that in Jamaica? Uh, we were treated really well. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. People That's were good, good to us. Mm -hmm. It was nice. Yeah. The, the, the church was fairly small. It's not an experience that I would do again. But at the same time, like, there were a lot of really good things that came to me because of it in terms of my 
outlook on life now and my interest in traveling the world and all kinds of things like that. So what made you want to do that initially? Was it the religious aspect or did you want to go abroad? How did it come I to be? I think it was a little bit of both. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you don't, you don't end up knowing where you're going to go. Okay. That's, that's decided for you. So I had no idea that I'd be going to the Caribbean. Wow. Um, but that was exciting anyway, because my family is originally from Puerto Rico. And having visited there before, it was nice to go somewhere that felt sort of like where my family is from. Okay, okay. So you're in Jamaica two years. Mm -hmm. And the Cayman Islands. And the Cayman Islands. Mm -hmm. And then you come back to Utah? Yeah, come back to the U.S. Um, I had started college before I left. And so when I came back, I picked it back up. Uh, Studied in Utah for a couple of years. During that time, I lived in Manhattan for a little while when I was a research scholar at Columbia University. Yeah, and then I finished college in Utah in 2015. And then immediately afterward, left for the Philippines for an internship. And what was the internship in? Uh, It was in microfinance. Interesting. Yeah, so really small loans to small business owners, helping them get off the ground. Very cool. And is that what you studied in school? Partially, yeah. I mean, I, I studied economics, but that was like a very broad umbrella for what I was interested in. So I studied mostly like urban issues, city design, urban planning, um, urban economics. And did you specifically seek out opportunities in the Philippines or or did that just sort of happen? No, originally. So it was part of a program that we called SEED. Well, it was through Utah State University and they had a partnership with a couple of groups that did this work in a couple of countries around the world. So primarily we had an organization in Ghana and an organization in Peru. And originally I had been selected to go to Ghana. And then in the meantime, that, that this was the year that the Ebola outbreak happened Ooh. Mm-hmm, throughout all of like the West African area. And so eventually they decided they were going to cancel the Ghana program. I was supposed to leave for Ghana on like a Monday and I think maybe the Tuesday before they said that they were canceling the trip. Whoa. Okay. So you were really like, you were ready to go. I was ready to go. This was also the week before school was starting back up for the semester. And then the Philippines was instead of... Was instead of Ghana. Ghana. Yeah. Okay. They wanted to open up a, a new branch of, of the program in Manila. And so we, we had some contacts over there and six of us went over and worked there for about three, three and a half months. What time of year? This was summer. Okay. Was it really, really, really hot? It was brutally hot. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> I, most days it was, I mean, full humidity and usually over 85, 90 degrees, Jeez. sometimes over 100. Wow. Did you like the Philippines? I loved it. Yeah, it was fantastic. Um, so I, when I lived in the Cayman Islands, a good portion of the population is Filipino. So I had started to learn some Tagalog, could get, could get by on it fairly well. I've lost it completely at this point. But yeah, so I, I already had some uh, some knowledge of Filipino culture, Filipino languages, and had a lot of Filipino friends that I got to meet up with when I went back to the Philippines. Um, or when I went to the Philippines, um, some of my friends that were Filipino from the Caymans were coming to visit, so I got to meet with them. Yeah, and it was, it was really interesting too because I mean, decades ago, my great-grandmother, she had kind of left everything behind in the U.S. and she set sail from San Francisco and decided she was just going to move to Asia. I don't, I don't know how long she intended to stay, but she went to Manila, she went to Shanghai, um, Singapore, I think, and a couple of other places, and was out there for a couple of years, and eventually was planning to stay in Manila. And she even was starting to go through the process of getting a visa for my, my grandpa, her son, um, but that was about the outbreak of World War II, okay. and so they decided they, they wouldn't be able to do that. But yeah, she had a number of family members that were in the military, because at the time, the Philippines was a, was a U.S. territory. My, my, grand, my great-grandmother had a number of family members who were living in the Philippines and were stationed there. And so I have some family members that were born and raised 
in the Manila area. That's really cool. So were yeah. they, did you, um, were you able to talk to them about it before you went? Like what? To... No, I mean, this, this is like far flung extended far... family. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. I wouldn't even know names, but, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I know, I know stories from what my grandparents have told me. So. Yeah. That's how it is with my Italian ancestry too. Do you still have family in Italy? Technically, yes, but mm-hmm. um, not that we're in contact with. Well, both my grandparents were first generation American. And my grandmother did get the chance to go back and visit Italy. And she knew like it was cousins of hers or something like that. Mm-hmm. But me, so two gener- two generations under her, I I don't know anyone. I don't speak the language or anything mm-hmm. like that. But um, that's been a goal now that I'm living in Germany is to be able to go back and go specifically to the village that she was from. And then down to Sicily where my grandfather's family was from. It's one thing to learn about your ancestry or your family history sitting around the dinner table at Thanksgiving, but it's a totally another thing to go and, and really live it and see what they were seeing and, and think about, you know, what made her want to stay here? What what quirks of the city or aspects of the culture were so attractive to her at that time? Mm-hmm. Did you want to stay after those three months? In the Philippines? Yeah. Oh, I considered it, absolutely. Wow. Yeah, I really loved the city. It was fantastic. Yeah. I, it's the most densely populated city on the planet, from what I understand. Wow. I mean, there's just people everywhere. Um, but it was really beautiful, really interesting, much more developed than I was expecting. Lots to do, lots of great restaurants. Did you do any research on it before you went? Like, Yeah, I mean, mostly I just used the web. I, I mean, I, I had my own questions, things that I was interested in and things that I wanted to understand. And so just, you know, did Google searches mm-hmm. to find out. I use a Google image search the place mm-hmm. and then get all starry-eyed about how pretty places it, are. Yeah, exactly. That's like the extent of my research usually. Yeah, use Google Image to like get yourself emotionally attached to the place uh, first and then say, okay, now I'll go dig in and learn some information. Right. About it. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Okay. So this is the Philippines and then you're back in Utah. Yeah. Okay. And you're done your school. Graduated, finished. I started working in the financial industry uh, for about a year and a half. Really enjoyed it. Had a good time there. And then that was about the point where I met my future wife mm-hmm. um well actually we had we had met before then but we started dating at that point when i was working in salt lake and she was interested in moving to europe she had lived in france in the past and so we said yeah let's do it and we ended up picking germany i mean she she can tell you the story better than i could um as far as how we ended up in freiburg specifically because at this point I don't, I don't even necessarily really remember the reasons why we chose Germany first and then Freiburg specifically, I just kind of said, sure, this all sounds good to me. I mean, just along for the ride. (laughs) Yeah. I'm not good at staying in one place very long. And so to have someone come and suggest to me, we should just pick up everything and move somewhere else. Like, that's a very easy thing for me to say yes to. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) I have that feeling too. Um, So um, my boyfriend's half German and half American and fluent in both languages and has both passports. I only speak English and only had an American passport. We made the decision to to move to Germany. And sometimes when people are like hearing our story, they're like, wouldn't it have made way more sense for the person who already has the right paperwork and already can speak the language to go to you? Mm. And I guess, I guess so. But I'm sort of that same spirit as what you're just saying, where it's like, should we go somewhere different? Great. Let's go somewhere different. You know, I, I feel a little nomadic internally and i'm pretty much down someone could say tomorrow you know i think we should move to shanghai for a year and i'd probably be like "Ah, yeah yeah absolutely yeah Yeah. (laughs) well and that's the challenge we're facing now because i mean i still have that aspect of my personality where i'm like okay now where's next where's next where are we headed from here but it's difficult because we've fallen in love with freiburg i mean this is probably the most beautiful place i've ever lived in it's somewhere that i'd like to stay and put down roots but like in some ways that's antithetical to how i've always been like 
I don't want to put down roots, I want to go somewhere else. So I feel this tension right now because I think we'd really like to stay here. And yet at the same time, I feel like there's still just this huge world out there that I still want to see and live in. Yeah, and and, and just visiting it isn't enough. It sounds like it's like you want to be there, you want to be a part of it. Yeah, absolutely. And so you've managed to have a career throughout all of this. So, so far we're, you've lived in four different countries now that we're talking about. In- five. Five, yeah. wait. Uh, well, the U.S., Ah, first, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. You, you got to count that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the U.S., uh, Jamaica, Cayman Islands, um, Philippines, and now Germany. And how do you feel it has been for you managing to have a career throughout all of these moves? Um, fairly challenging, but it, it depends on how flexible you can and want to be. I mean, so for example, my I, in the same way that I struggle to stay in one place for very long, I also know that like I have so many different interests and different jobs that I'd like to try. I like working with my hands, but I also like working with my mind. I like talking to people. And so it's hard for me to feel like, okay, like I need to pick this one job or this one industry and stick in it for the next 20 years. Like I feel like I'm still figuring out what it is ultimately that I want to do. I was kind of happy to leave both leave the US and also leave my job and start a new life in Germany. But it was it was definitely difficult. We had in, in between going from Utah to Germany, we spent about three and a half months, I think, in New York on Long Island, um, where we were working for a company, and they paid for our rent and all of our living expenses, and so we just saved up a lot of money and came over here with maybe about 10000 US, and without that money, we probably would not have survived getting settled in Germany, because as soon as we got here, my wife had a job interview in Freiburg, so we, we went from Frankfurt to Freiburg for that. She got accepted for it, and it was maybe all of 50 euros a week, I think, to start. And so yeah. we had to kind of take a deep breath and decide, okay, is are, are we willing to move to this new place for a job that so far is only 50 euros a week and just hope that we can build something bigger from there? I mean, but it, it was the best option we had at the time, and so we decided to do it. And things have worked out well from there, but it was difficult for me getting started. Initially, it was hard for me to find work. I was mostly trying to find jobs where I could just work online and work remotely for a company in the US or the UK or whatever it might be. And that was that was challenging. I didn't have a lot of success there. And so I started looking for work closer to um, in the local area here in Germany. Not knowing German, that presented a challenge, of course, compounded by the fact that after we'd been here for maybe two or three weeks, I broke my foot in two places. What? In a swimming accident, yeah. <laughs> Which made life infinitely more difficult sorry how do you break your foot in a swimming accident it's more of a diving accident so we we went down to basel switzerland so just south of freiburg um just over the swiss side of the border and we were on the banks of the river there this is really nice kind of late summer day and my roommate said it's really fun to go and go to this one point on the river and run and jump off and jump into the river and so i said cool that sounds fine and then he said you know you just kind of float back down to where you started he and I walked up maybe a quarter of a mile up the riverbank. You know, they've, they've built like an embankment there. So you're jumping down maybe 15 feet or so. What my roommate didn't inform me is that you need to jump out really far in order for it to be safe. <laughs> it's kind of important information. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm looking at the river. I can't see the bottom anywhere. I'm assuming we're just jumping down. And you so, went first. No, so we ran off together. And I just kind of ran and just jumped out, you know, just a couple of feet. But he took this great big leap and jumped out, you know, really, really far. And I just didn't know that I was supposed to do that. Oh, so I no. landed hard. I mean, the, I jumped into water that was only a few feet deep. Oh, 
<laughs> and slammed my foot, broke it in a couple of places. It's probably lucky nothing worse happened. Yeah, no, I mean, we, were, we were really fortunate. So we got treated here in Freiburg, but that introduced new challenges of medical expenses, having to negotiate things with our American insurance. Um, it was it was stressful. Did was you really have stressful. German insurance at the time? No. Okay. No, just American insurance. Wow, and it covered some of it. It did. It, it ended up covering almost all of it, which wow. was fantastic. And again, had, had we not had health insurance that was willing to cover that for us, we probably would not be here in Germany right now. So, I mean, we were very fortunate to have all of these things holding us up when we needed it. You know, we had a, a fairly sizable cash reserve from working in New York, and then also health insurance saved us, really. Yeah. And that's, oh God, I can't imagine the amount of stress being in a new country where you can't talk to people, being in hospitals all the time, dealing with paperwork, mm -hmm. calling American insurance companies. Well, I mean, my wife could tell you more. I mean, she was the only one working for us, you know, for that time until yeah. I was able to find work. So um, how long until you recovered and then could really get in the job market in Freiburg? Um, from the time that I broke it until the time that I could walk freely without any kind of limp or pain or anything like that, and could actually work on my feet, um, was about maybe three months. What did you end up finding for work? How did that all work out? Yeah, that was that was still an adventure. Um, <laughs> so while my foot was broken, actually, I think this is where you come into the story. It is. So my oh, I forgot about okay, this. Okay, let me, let me tell yeah. a story. You tell me if I'm wrong. But so my wife, Danielle, she was working as a teacher at this institution in, in Freiburg called the Carl Schurz House. So she was teaching there. You work there as well. And I think you told her that I should check out the Mexican yeah, restaurant here exactly. in town. They said, we're intrigued. Let's set up an interview. He agreed to hire me. And then he just said, you know, wait until your foot is healed and then, and then show up for work. Um, and that lasted a week. It was, <laughs> it, it, it just wasn't a mutually beneficial relationship for either of us. Sure. And so it was, it was better that we, that we get out of that. Um, but fortunately, just... A short time later, the Carl Schurz House said that they were looking for some business English teachers. And with me having a finance and economics background, they were interested in having me interview for some of those positions. And so I did. Oh, that's great. And started teaching uh, English courses, which is what I do now. And you like it? Yeah, it's fantastic. Um, since then, through the Carl Schurz House, I've also gained some contacts at the local university here. So now I teach an economics course at the university. That's fancy. Yeah. I didn't know about that one. Cool. Mm -hmm. And then through other friends in town, uh, my wife and I have found jobs as bike tour guides, e-bike tours, cool. which we do um, through the Rhine and Black Forest region. Fun. Yeah. An e-bike meaning you don't have to actually bike around the Black Forest. You, you do. So okay. yeah, so this is a, <laughs> well, they told us this is a common misconception because we're mostly, we, we partner with the cruise ship companies that go up the Rhine. And so basically everyone who comes on the tour with us between 10 and 20 people they're basically all retirees from the States or from the UK. And sometimes they have the, a false idea of, of what they need to do with an e-bike. Oh, so no. yes, they, they have to pedal. You pedal a little bit and then the motor kicks in. Okay. Gives you just a nice little push to make things easier for you. So this is a pretty full repertoire. Yeah. How do you feel about what you've been able to do in the past couple of years with this life path versus if you'd like stayed in the States and done something more typical financial? Because... It, You've really taken this like finance background and mm -hmm. put on many different hats with it. And it seems to be working. But at the same time, it's not like the typical, like, I'm going to go to the bank and make a bunch of money and live mm -hmm. very comfortably for 30 years and then retire. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the reality is just that wasn't something that would have made me happy. Mm -hmm. um, I enjoy adventure. I enjoy doing something new and different. And even just working in the financial industry for a few weeks, I was already aware this is not 
this is not really meant for me. There were things that I really enjoyed about it and I loved. I mean, the, my, my understanding of personal finance and investing has grown immensely since that time and I'm really grateful for that. But ultimately it wasn't a field that I wanted to stay in. And so while it's been stressful to jump from place, you know, country to country and job to job trying to get things worked out, I wouldn't exchange it for anything else. I'm much happier doing this than I am feeling like I have certainty in this one job, in this one career that I'll stay in at this one company for the next 20 years. I'm happier doing this. And okay, so you've mentioned your wife a couple times. Mm -hmm. So talk me through that. What was the decision to, to get married? Was that at all tied into this whole adventurous life? Yeah, it was definitely part of it. So we had known each other at college. She was dating my roommate at one point, which is how I met her. Classic tale. Yeah. And then when I had already graduated, come home from the Philippines and was working um, for the investment firm in Salt Lake, we kind of reconnected and started dating from there. And during that time is when, you know, she told me when she graduates, you know, which was about a year after I had graduated, she wanted to go to Europe. We already, I think we already knew that we wanted to stay together and we wanted to get married. And so after we'd been together for maybe about a year and a half or so, we thought, yeah, let's let's do it now. Let's get married and then we'll head off to Germany, um, which certainly made the process easier as well. I think it's much easier, at least from my limited perspective, I think it's easier to move to a country like Germany as a married couple than not. We maybe have less paperwork, right. less hoops to jump through. And is it the case that... Um... I guess they would they would be more willing to help you guys stay together. So when you weren't working, maybe it helped with, with that period of time? Yeah, that, I mean, that's hard to say. I, I don't know what goes through the mind of German bureaucrats, you know, when they're approving... <laughs> yeah, when, when they're <laughs> approving or denying visa requests. The most frustrating experience I've had living in Germany is working with government officials on our immigration status. Mm -hmm. That's definitely the most difficult thing about it. Everything else is fantastic. Yeah. But anytime I have to go to the Bürgeramt or the Auslande to navigate something with our immigration status or our papers, yeah, that's depending on the day and depending on the agent, that can either be a great experience or a total nightmare. And it is possible that, I mean, for example, like I said, I mean, I'm, I'm crutching my way into the Oslana Bahorda with a broken <laughs> foot while my wife is saying, you know, I have a couple of jobs giving me a few hundred euros a month. I mean, we were probably not the ideal couple that the, the Oslana Bahorda, the immigration office wants to approve. Right. You know, we probably looked pretty ragged. So, I mean, yeah, it, it's, it's possible that having... A, yeah, marriage certificate assisted with that, mm -hmm. you know, because I had to tell them, you know, I'm not working. I have to, I'm still looking for a job. She has, you know, a couple of small freelance jobs that she's working. You know, somehow they approved us, so. And did you guys go to these appointments together? Generally, yeah. yeah. And we were very nice and very polite and mm -hmm. tried to be as, as good natured as possible, which I think do. always helps. Oh, yeah. you can do, yeah. And have insurance as long as you did. Uh, so yeah, you must have gotten German health insurance at some point in this process, yeah. We, we got a travel insurance. I okay. mean, just, just catastrophic insurance in case of emergency. We found a website. I, I don't remember the name of it, but it's it's fairly easy to find. There are a lot of websites that for students um, who are doing studies abroad during their college time, you know, a lot of countries they're traveling to say you have to have insurance that's going to be accepted in our country, right. of which Germany is one of those. So there are travel insurance companies that you know, their whole reason for existence is to help students get health insurance that is valid for the country that they're going to be living in or studying in for a short period of time. So I found a travel insurance website that 
gave me cheap emergency insurance. And then they also generated a document that I could take to the Osana Bohorta saying, hey, this is how much Alex is insured for. It meets the minimum requirements for immigrating to Germany. Um, I mean, it was fantastic. That's what the company was set up to do is to help you get your visa for another country. That's great. Mm -hmm. That's great. Because that was, uh, I think, across the board, everyone's story who I've heard from the Aslan of Bahorda, it's always a different story, right? And it depends on what city you're in and what agent you get. But everyone cares about insurance. Yeah, absolutely. You can even get by with not having a, without having a job or without having a certain amount of money in the bank as long as you're insured. Yeah. So. Okay, so now... That brings us up to today. Mm -hmm. But as you mentioned, you're not planning on staying in Freiburg. Yeah. So my wife and I are moving to the UK in September. So after we will have been in Freiburg for about a year, we're leaving again. And we're feeling quite bittersweet about that because we really love it here. And we're considering maybe coming back to this region after we graduate. So she has already been accepted to the University of Sussex, which is in the it's on the south coast of England in the city of Brighton. She'll be studying film there film and media production, and then I am still waiting on a decision from the University of Brighton, which is in the same city, where I want to study UX design. So you've alluded to possibly coming back to Freiburg after that, but in general, do you want to keep living abroad? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So I, this I don't... isn't a temporary thing. This is a choice. This is, yeah, this is permanent. Um, I mean, I don't know exactly where we're going to be living five or 10 years from now, but I don't think we have any intentions of going back to the US. Mm-hmm. It, it, we find life more satisfying abroad. What languages do you speak? English and Spanish, learning German right now, which is another reason I'd like to come back to Germany because I actually really enjoy it. And we're not going to have enough time to get good at it before we have to leave for the UK. Mm. And I, I want I want to have a good, solid foundation of German. Um, so English, Spanish, German. In the past, I spoke Jamaican Patois and Filipino or Tagalog, which are completely lost to me at this point, And I can <laughs> no longer speak, but I can kind of understand. So you must be pretty good at languages then if you're able to pick these all up at different times. Oddly enough, I generally don't enjoy learning languages. <laughs> Apart from having to go to the immigration officials, it's the most <laughs> stressful part of moving to a new place for me. My wife loves it. She studies languages all the time on Duolingo. But mm-hmm. for me, it's it's something that I have to kind of be forced into. And German's pretty tough with that. I mean, I haven't learned enough languages to say firsthand, but I've heard from other people that the, for instance, learning English is really, really easy for a while. And then it's just when you get more advanced that it gets challenging. Yeah. But German is very, very hard at the front end. And then once you get past a certain level, it's it's smooth sailing. It's just vocab building. But the grammar is so specific that coming here with no basis and trying to get a basis, like you have to... You, to me, it seems like, honestly, I've been working at it for like three years. And I feel like now I feel like I have a basis. Like yeah. it took that long. And I, oh, what a frustrating process. Yeah, it's it's really challenging. Spanish is another language where I think that the the groundwork of it, you know, the, the foundational levels of Spanish are, are quite simple and fairly logical. And then it's just a question of from there, building your vocabulary, learning the nuances and things like that. But the, the foundations are quite easy to get. But yeah, German can be really difficult to understand the basics of. You have to learn a lot of rules and changes and all kinds of things before you can even start building your vocabulary. Something that is both wonderful and frustrating about German is how how rule-based it is. Mm-hmm. Like there is a, there is an answer for almost any question you have about why is it this way. Um, and it's very um, 
purposeful in mm-hmm. that way, which which is something I find pretty attractive, but also very frustrating when I'm trying to speak it because I don't have the time to think through the rules. So I think that's also what makes it harder is it takes a while to build up the instincts where you can automatically get to the right article in the right conjugated form in time for you to say it. <laughs> yeah, I just mumble on my articles all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. like the best trick. Or, um, but there's like always that joke about if you just make everything little by adding the word tian on the end, yeah. Then it's always das. There it's you go. always a neuter um, article. Yeah, pretty easy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for someone, for example, if you're an American who learned French or Spanish in school, which is true of a lot of American students, the challenge of then moving to German is okay. Well, with English or French, you learned your masculine and your feminine articles, but then German actually introduces a third one, which is the you know, neuter. So you you now have three different quote-unquote genders of articles you have to memorize, but then each of those articles change depending on if you're talking about um, a noun that is the subject of a sentence or the direct object or the indirect object or what verb or preposition it comes after and the articles are always changing and sometimes change they just switch places so you're using a feminine article for a masculine noun depending on the situation it is bizarre yes it is it is very complex and i and i have days where i really love going to my german course and days where i just want to curl up in a ball and never show my face in there again but but I, I, on the whole, I've I've really enjoyed my experience learning German and want to keep that up, which is why I think we'd be interested to come back here. And so as we're heading towards the end of our conversation, having all these experiences abroad, what do you think made you able to handle it sort of emotionally? Like what qualities do you think you are able to possess and expand on that have made this all possible? This has been, moving to Germany has been one of the most stressful things I've ever done, I would say. I mean, not only am I moving to a new country, but I'm having to move to a new country with a newlywed spouse, with health challenges on top of that, with the broken foot, I mean, all kinds of things. This is also the first time that I've moved to a new country where I had to arrange my visa for myself. In every other case, it's been the organization I was working for that did all of that work for me. Yeah, I mean, that's been really challenging and really stressful. If I didn't have a love for the adventure and the spontaneity and the uncertainty of it, I probably wouldn't have made it. I probably would have given up and said, you know what, I will go back to the place that I know where I know that there is safety and security and things that I understand. But that's never really been my style. I, I like the uh, the insanity of <laughs> of moving around the world and never quite knowing what's going to happen next. I like that. And so great. I, You've got plenty of it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> plenty of the insanity. Yeah. yeah. And I, I mean, that is a personality trait that I wouldn't have been able to survive this move without. Well, we're going to transition to the real end, which is zack, zack, zack. Okay. I'm going to ask you three questions. You will answer quickly without okay. thinking or overthinking. I will do my best. What is your favorite place you've lived so far? As a city, Freiburg. What is your favorite coin or bill in the euro currency? Oh, <laughs> I don't even know. I did just find a really fantastic commemorative Euro coin that I bought at a flea market here in town the other day that is from like 1995 celebrating some kind of anniversary of the forming of the EU that has all of the countries of the EU in 1995 engraved on it. That's yeah. really cool. Okay. And what is one thing that people should know about Utah? Oh, wow. Um, It's really beautiful. And it's like a completely different state, depending on if you're in the northern half or the southern half. The northern half cuts through the middle of Utah. And so if you're above that halfway line, then you're getting closer to Canada. You're in the mountains. You're in the greenery. And if you go to the southern half of Utah, you start approaching Mexico and it becomes desert and red rock and like a completely different place. And there's no people in the southern part. (laughs) 
Is that real? Is that For true? real. Uh, something like, I think, 75% of the population lives along a 100-mile stretch along what they call the Wasatch Front. So Whoa. that's just the Salt Lake metro area, basically. Huh. Right along the mountains. So it's like a really narrow strip of very dense population. And then outside of that, there's almost nothing. That's such a good fun fact. Yeah. There I you like go. it. Thank you. That was Zach, Zach, Zach. And thank you for, for coming on the podcast, telling us about your various experiences. Good luck in England. Thank you. And there you have it, our interview with Alex. He mentioned that he was still waiting to hear back from the university in Brighton. He has since heard back. He has been accepted. Huge congrats to him. Thank you again for coming onto the show and sharing all of your various super cool experiences with us. Thank you, as always, to Gordon Eisenach, my partner in podcasting and in life. He is the producer of the Expat Cast, and he has his own podcast called Cosmo Public Podcasts. Definitely go check it out wherever you get your podcasts, especially if you can speak German, because it's uh, it's in German. Yeah. Thank you, as always, to Amy Lungi Art for the logo, and thank you to Sidehug for the theme music. Check them out on Instagram at a hug from the side. Next week, we're going to be hearing from Danielle, Alex's wife, who is going to talk us through what their decision to move here was like from her point of view, what her motivation was in pursuing a life abroad. In the meantime, I hope everyone stays cool. It's incredibly hot here in Freiburg, and as I'm recording this, it just started raining for the first time in a really long time. So here's to hoping that it continues and that we get some green grass instead of yellow grass. <laughs> Stay cool wherever you are. Until next time, Polazzo out.